Thank you, Pastor Bob and praise team. Well, yesterday I got to experience my first Ohio State football game, and so, uh, yeah, and it was a record-breaking game for them, so I guess, yeah, it's, you, can, you can give me credit for that. And uh, Yeah, if anybody wants to send me to all of them. Uh, I would say this, I spelled and said Ohio in more ways uh, than I thought was humanly possible. It was an afternoon of spelling O or H or I or O, depending on where you were sitting, or saying Ohio. Uh, there, there is a quite of infatuation with saying Ohio to Ohio State games, right? <laughs> it was kind of interesting, but it was a big event. It was cool. It was, it was exciting. And you know, those kind of events when you get with people and big sporting events are exciting. And, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed this, this, the, uh, the opportunity. Todd Gates, Pastor Todd Gates, he's a uh, United Methodist pastor that's been joining us for nearly a year now. And he, was, he gave me the tickets and I had a great time. Parked at Terry's work, so I parked free and the tickets were free. Praise the Lord, that was a great day. Um, and I tried to get the food free, but they wouldn't give it to me. Um, but a uh, great day there. And, you know, it reminded me of... Of past great days, I can. When I grew up in, I grew up in Indiana, and in Indiana we didn't have college football. <laughs> really, if you've seen the Hoosiers play, we don't have college football in Indiana. Uh, but we were all high school basketball. High school basketball was the big deal. And and in 1972, anybody see the movie Hoosiers? Right? That's you think. Oh well, that's nobody saw. You guys raise your hand. That's not sacrilege for you to see that from your Ohio. But but you, you think. Oh well, that's an over exaggeration. No, that's how it was in in the 50s and 60s and 70s in Indiana with high school basketball. People went crazy over high school basketball. As a matter of fact, I grew up in a small town of about 15 to 20,000, and every Friday night we had 5,200 people in the Spartan Bowl watching high school basketball, and that's just kind of how I grew up. And in 1972, they were state champions. You say, oh, state champions, big deal. It was one tournament every school in the state, and they were state champions. And it was a big deal. And my brother was a senior. He was actually class president. And, and, and you know, my younger brother was a, a, a eighth grader, or, a, or my next brother was either a eighth grader or freshman, I can't remember, but they went to the state championship game in Indianapolis, and, and then they came back on the school bus, and, and my dad went to pick them up on a cold night, and, and this was, of course, before cell phones, and parked the car, and the buses weren't there, and dad uh, just left the keys in the car, as you could in a small town uh, 50 years ago, got out of the car, and was just kind of walking around, and the buses came back, and my brothers got off the bus, and they said, isn't this nice of dad that he left this car here for us? They got in the car and started heading home. And, you know, we lived about, I don't know, 15 miles from the high school. And the high school was kind of in the middle of nowhere. And this was like 2 o'clock in the morning. And Virgil looked over. Yeah, I had a brother named Virgil, believe it or not. Virgil looked over at Danny and said, you know, it's kind of weird that the car was so warm, isn't it? And then they started talking about it, and sure enough, they you think maybe dad was just out of the car? And so they turned around and went back and caught my dad walking home from the high school uh, since there were no cell phones, <laughs> and it was 2 o'clock in the morning. Communication matters, doesn't it? Uh, miscommunication has an effect, and effective communication matters. Now, now we've all experienced this. We, we've all experienced times 
when communication does not occur. Sometimes when I'm preaching, this, this communication does not seem to click, or, or sometimes we don't connect. Communication matters. We've all experienced it. Several years ago, when my, my um, wife's niece, Sarah, was probably five or six, I took her to McDonald's, and I ordered a plain cheeseburger, okay? What would you think would be on a plain cheeseburger? And hamburger, right? <laughs> Well, well, the McDonald's didn't think a plain cheeseburger would include the hamburger. So I, I got the plain cheese sandwich. And, you know, I went in and I said, hey, listen, you, you forgot something on this sandwich. You forgot the, cheese, the, the, the burger. <laughs> and they said, oh, that's how you ordered. I said, well, listen, I know I ordered a plain cheeseburger, not a plain cheese. And so, you know, communication matters. We've all experienced these times where we didn't make a communication connection. In, in the workplace, we've had this happen where, where we just don't, we don't have a meeting of the minds or, you know, you're at a business, you're at a restaurant, you order one thing, you get something different. You, you ask them to do one thing on your car, they do something different. In, 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 in school, sometimes there's miscommunication in our homes. I'm not going to ask you um, husbands and wives, uh, but all of us have times from time to time where we have communication breakdown with either our spouses or our kids. And, and it creates tension and difficulties. Sometimes in our neighborhoods. Sometimes among our friends. You, you ever have just a miscommunication with a friend that, that created a break in relationship? You know, even, believe it or not, ever so often, even in the church, <laughs> uh, we have communication breakdowns. Communication matters. And when we're talking about communication, it affects relationships. Now, let's, let's track back. If, if what we're doing here is more about relationship and less, less about religion, if this is about relationship with God and communication matters in any relationship, then communication with God matters if we want to have a powerful, strong, lasting relationship with our Heavenly Father. Can I get an amen to that, right? I mean, if we believe that this is about relationship with our Heavenly Father, communication matters. And as we're closing 1 John, there is an emphasis by John on communication with our Heavenly Father, understanding the will of our Heavenly Father. And, and, and let me give you, if you don't take anything else from this sermon today, take this. God wants us to know His will. <laughs> Amen. Is that true? Do you believe that's true? Uh, you know, th this isn't some sort of shell game where, oh boy, I hope I really mess them up. God wants you to know His will today. 1 John 5, beginning in verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that he, we have what we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. I refer, I refer to those whose sin does not... Let me try that again. Okay, I'm having trouble reading. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. 
There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that we should pray over about that. All wrongdoing is sin. And there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe and the evil one cannot harm him. We know that we are the children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. And then John concludes with this short little sentence. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Lord, bless your word. Help us as we move through it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, so there's a concluding essential ideal in John's passage. As, as he's talked about that this God who sees more in us than we see in us, that, that somehow there, there is this ability to communicate with God. And he's talking about the importance of prayer. And since we live in relationship, not by religion, and, and since this is about connecting with our Heavenly Father, we have this great privilege to communicate with our Heavenly Father through prayer, through, through making our requests known and listening to God speak into our life. Now, now many commentator writers will, will take this passage, and, and may, if you see this in there, that, that's fine, but, but I don't see it this way, as if, as if John is jumping around and, and changing subjects and, and changing course. But, but as I looked at this, I don't believe that what John's doing. I believe John is focusing on prayer throughout this passage and the concept of communicating with God and finding God's will. Verses 14 through 15, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. In other words, this is very clearly, John's talking about prayer here, right? He's saying, if you ask, God will give to you according to his will, that God wants you to understand his will. It's easy to see prayer defined in verses 14 through 15. And I would put it this way. Prayer is finding God's will and following it. That's the essence of prayer. The essence of prayer in this relationship is finding God's will and walking in it. Now, now you say, well, pastor, you know, it, it, isn't this about love? Well, earlier John has talked about how obedience and being obedient to our Heavenly Father is an expression of love. And so this obedience and this finding God's will and this following God's will is all part of relationship love with our Heavenly Father. Matter of fact, earlier John says, you know, if you're not being obedient, if you're... If you're not finding the Father's will and walking in it, you're, you're not living in love, a love relationship with Him, and you're not living in a love relationship with each other. And so if the point of this is love, then John's point is all that we do is to find God's will and in the midst of His will, walk in obedience. And the essence of prayer is not to get my way, but to find God's way. To find what he wants for my life. You say, well, if I'm just supposed to find God's will, 
what's all this business about bringing my request to him, right? Why even bother giving God what I want or, or what I think I need or, or where I'm asking him to move? If the point is just finding God's will, then why do we waste all of our time lifting requests? Well, number one, God asks us to do that, okay? So, so part of God's will in your life is that you acknowledge those places where you need him to move. Amen? I mean, that, that, that's what God asks us to do. If, so if the point of prayer is finding God's will, then giving our request is part of God's will. You know, Jesus modeled this. In the model prayer, Jesus gives the example of giving our requests to God. In Peter, it says, cast your cares upon God. So, so God asks us to bring our request to him. And I think in bringing our request to him, it does a couple things. Not, number one, bringing our request to God helps us see ourselves. So, so if the point of this is aligning my will with God, when I bring my request to my heavenly Father, it allows me as I speak those things, as I say those things, as I focus on those things, I believe I get a clearer understanding of who I am in God and what, where I am in God and where I am in the midst of my relationship with God. Not only that, bringing our request to God helps us see the heart of God. And I don't know if I've got this all figured out, but, but track with me for a second here. If you never ask and you never see God move, can you ever understand how compassionately your God loves you? Amen. How much the Father cares for you? So, see, I, I think there's, there's part of this when we give our requests to God, and he answers, even though he knows that's a need before we know it's a need, that this mechanism in the midst of relationship where, where we can ask and God can give, gives us an insight into the love of God. Where we can say, oh my goodness, my God, my Father is so much aware of me Amen. that he will meet what seems insignificant in the scheme of things. He'll, he'll help me find a job. He'll help me mend a relationship. He'll make me, he'll heal me of this sickness. He'll, he'll give me guidance in this situation. And it's all in this asking and receiving and this relationship with our Heavenly Father. In verses 16 through 18, he begins to talk about those strain. And, and, and it, it really does. If you look at this, uh, on, just from the surface, it looks like John has leapt from prayer to, to, to sinners and people that are strained from faith. But, but John's making a point about prayer. He's saying there, there, there's two types of people that you can be praying for. There, there's people that are purposefully, blatantly disregarding the will of God in their life. Amen. You know, it's a habit. It's, it's how they live their life. And, and they, they just purposefully choose to disregard what God would have for them. And then there's people 
like me and you <laughs> that are working through our faith that, 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 that because we're human, sometimes we miss the mark, right? And, and we're doing the best we can and we're not purposefully disobeying God, but, but every once in a while God will, will, will bring something to our mind where we've messed up an attitude or action and there's a distinction. And John's saying, you know, it's okay to, to pray for those who are just in the process of going through life that, that God will keep them from destruction and harm and extreme discipline. But those who are just choosing to go their own way, don't pray that somehow God will remove them from the natural discipline of sin in your life. Why? God does not discipline just because he's angry. God disciplines to bring to a point of repentance. And so in a lot of ways, and I don't know, I've thought about this in my life, and I've thought, have I been guilty of this? I think with our loved ones, particularly, those we love the most, we have this inclination to pray for them in ways that may not be conducive for their spiritual health. That, that somehow God will remove all hardship and God will remove all discipline and, and, and everything will be smooth. And, and I think what John's saying here, sometimes it's the discipline and the hardship that bring people back into relationship with him. So, so what's the point? The point is John's still talking about prayer. He's talking about praying for lost individuals. He's praying for individuals that you know, people that have strayed, people that have failed. John's giving direction on how to pray within the will of the Father. That's the point. All the other, you know, we can get caught up in all, what's a sin that leads to death and, and, and what's all these other things that John's talking about. But primarily John is talking about praying within the will of the Father. And then verse 20 pulls it all together. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. In other words, the, the focus is here is on understanding God, knowing God's will. He, John's saying it's not a secret. It's not a mystery. God's will is not meant to frustrate us. But God's will is something that we can know and understand. And then with that in mind, verse 21 is connected. It's a, it's a continuing emphasis. And, you know, once again, it, it seems like John's all over the place here, but, but, but John's going to this same ideal that God is God and God has a will and God wants us to live within that will and God wants us to understand that will. Don't let God's, other God's, or idols set your agenda. 
is in essence verse 21. As a matter of fact, 1 John 5, 21 in the New Living Translation says, Dear children, keep away from everything that might take God's place in your hearts. In other words, there's this fear that idols or other gods will just pull us from allowing God to set the agenda of our life. Maybe that's the way to ask the question for you this morning as we, as we close, with, close that verse. We're not closing. Everybody's getting real happy. Um, what's setting the agenda of your life? What's setting your priorities? John's saying, beware of idols and other gods that set an agenda differently than God. So what's, what, what's the takeaway from all of this? God wants us to know and follow his will. That's good news, right? <laughs> That's something we should be happy about as people. And, you know, if we're, if we're ordinary people following Jesus, don't, don't we want to believe that God wants us to have an understanding of what it means to follow Jesus, that it's not some distant dream, that it's not a pipe dream, that it's, it, it's not something that we'll never achieve, that's one of those high ideals but it's not practical. You know, it's, it's all heavenly minded, but, but it's no good for here on earth. But I, I want to know, and I want to believe that, that God wants me to understand what he wants me to do in this life. Now, this would be a time to, to make a bad joke about a husband and wife relationship and wanting to know what they want you to know, uh, but, but I won't do that, okay? You guys can just think about that yourself and laugh later. God's will leads to eternal life. Now, now last week, John said God's commandments are not burdensome. In other words, God's will in our life, and you know, we're, we're talking about all this, God's will. God's will in our life is not laying heavy loads on our shoulders. As a matter of fact, Jesus got on the Pharisees because they were laying heavy loads on people's shoulders and Jesus offered a contrast. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. And really the, the word easy there, that, that's not a, a good translation. It's, it's the ideal that my yoke fits right. That, that, that somehow what God places upon us, what, what God asks us to do is something that fits us perfectly. That, that, that in doing God's will, it's not burdensome, but, but we find that there's real life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In other words, Jesus didn't come to lay burdens on you in his will that, that doesn't lead to real life. So the, the question that... that now, now, maybe you don't ask these kind of questions, but, but when I think about this, and I think about Jesus coming to give us real life, and it's not a burden, and, and it's, it, it's, it's something that fits well, I always ask, well, why, didn't, why doesn't God just do that? <laughs> why doesn't God in our lives just put his will? Can we go back to a, to a fundamental concept we've been talking about, love? Love requires a choice, folks. And so our Heavenly Father, in love, in love, because He loves us, gives us a way of life, a way of living 
Jesus shows us this perfect example. And it's not burdensome. It fits us right. It leads to abundant life. God has offered that to his people. He's not going to force you to do that. As you leave this sanctuary today, you will be a free will person that can choose to accept God's will, find God's will, or reject God's will. Our Heavenly Father, by His love, allows us to choose. Now, knowing God's will, what what does that mean? Knowing God's will is not knowing the future, but understanding how we can walk in obedience in the present. This is significant. Um, Most of the time, what I get caught up in more than anything else is tomorrow. Anybody else like that? (laughs) It's like, God, I really need to know. I really need to know next week, not today. And I don't know why we are, we're, who would say, Pastor, yeah, that's me. Raise your hand. I'm just curious. That, that, I think that's more us. I, it's kind of a people thing that, that, that we want more than, than God gives us. You know, there, there's lots of reasons I think God may not give us his will for tomorrow. Now, now, sometimes he does, right? You know, I've had God that's given me peace about something that's going to happen in the future. But most of the time it's in today that God gives me peace gives me understanding in today, in, in this moment. Now, I think there's a couple reasons. Num- number one, <laughs> I'll give you an example. I love you and I love pastoring. I do. But can I be honest? If I knew all that was in front of me when I went into the ministry, I'm not sure I would have done it. And all of you have situations where God has given his will in that moment. But, but as you look back at all that you had to go through, and he's given you grace to, to meet each moment and each expectation and each experience, he's given you grace for the day, not grace for the duration. So, so sometimes if we knew everything that, that was lying before us, it would be kind of hard at times to walk in obedience because, see, God's only given us grace for the day. And not only that, as I read God's word, you know, we have an expectation of heaven. We have an expectation of where God is taking us. We have an expectation that Jesus will return, that everything will be set right. But God wants his people to live in today. If you read God's word, there is a clear understanding that, yeah, there's all these future things, but live in today. There's this great passage, and I didn't put this in my notes, but the people of Israel are in exile. And God gives them this great promise of what he's going to do, but he says, but in the meantime, plant your crops right where you are. You know, build homes, you know, love people, do, you know, be a blessing to your city. In other words, there's this great future, this great pr- future promise, but, but live in the moment. And I think the reason is this. You can't love 
in tomorrow. You can only love in today. And if the highest command is love found in obedience to God and loving one another and loving him, if that is the highest command, you only do that today. So God gives us direction in his will. I believe this. In my life, I have God's will for today. I believe you have God's will for today. So... Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're trying to find some. I have one, two, three, four, five things if you're trying to find God's will. Uh, Or four things. How do I know God's will? Is the answer found in the Bible? Boy, that is a good preacher answer, right? (laughs) Um, there, There are some things that are just clearly stated in the Bible. Um, if, if you're saying, God, should I rob the bank or not rob the bank, right? The answer is, thank you. Uh, I got about 30% of you to answer that. Um, but the 70%, please hear, no is the answer, right? You know, there, there's some things that are really clear in God's word. And, and, and frankly, there's some things that, that, that aren't as clear that, that, you know, we have to work through. But there are things in God's word that are clear. And if, if personal perception is different than the clear word of God, personal perception is wrong, not the clear word of God, right? You know, never say, God's not speaking in my life. Never say that because God is speaking in your life if you have one of these. There is not one day that you can say God is not speaking to me because he's spoken through his word. Have I prayed about it? It's kind of almost circular here, but, but, but have, you, have you taken significant time to, to try to understand God's will for this moment, for this day? Have you asked other people to pray with you? I mean, have you really spent time in prayer? I have to. Now, when I'm in serious times and I'm really needing to, to see the face of God, I almost have to write my prayers out. Anybody else like that? That, that if I can get so internal in my mind that I really am spinning my wheels and not doing anything. And so when I'm really serious about prayer and I'm really seeking God, I have a, you know, I'll have a private prayer journal, a private prayer conversation with God that, that I'm writing out kind of what I'm asking. Have you really prayed about it? Have you sought the counsel of other believers? This... This community is essential and important. And God has placed around you other people that many of them have been through the same thing you may be going through. <laughs> I'm always amazed that when I talk to people, the depth of experience in your life. And so you have brothers and sisters in Christ that have been through many of the same things you've been through. Now, that's why when we talk about who we are as a church and what's important to us. One of the things that is essential, I believe this, is that we have significant relationships with other people within this body of believers. And, you know, we, we can come in and we can worship and we can do these things and we can, we can have 
very little depth in the midst of relationships. That that's the importance of small groups and Sunday school classes and, and, and small discipleship groups because it's in these groups that you build the relationships and you begin to know who you can trust and who you can go to and who you can talk to. You are not meant to do this alone. There is no biblical model No biblical, sustainable model where people were called to do this alone. So I'm thinking thinking about Elijah. Uh, Elijah was, you know, kind of a lone wolf in a lot of ways. And, 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 I think I've shared this story, but Elijah is, is running at the end of himself and he has this great battle with the prophets of Baal and Jezebel's chasing him and he, he goes to the mountain of God and he, and he says to God, he says, I'm all by myself. <laughs> In essence, Elijah's having a great big old pity party. Doesn't know where to turn. You know what God does? God gives him Elisha. Well, first off, God says, no, you're not alone <laughs> Obadiah's put like 7,000 prophets in caves and protected them from the king and the queen. But not only that, you need somebody to walk beside you so that you can understand my will. You need someone walking beside you. you know, maybe it's family members. Maybe it's, maybe it's in a service group of some type. But, but somewhere along this, the, the road, there's got to be somebody that you're connecting to that, that you, in, in the deep, dark times of life, you can go to and they can help you find God's will. And finally, do I have peace with this decision? Now, I say this very conditionally because sometimes God's will when you're walking in God's will, there's not a lot of peace in the moment. Uh, you know, I have peace with God, but the, the situations sometimes, and if you've experienced this, say, man, when you're obedient to God, there can be some stress. Amen, right? Amen. And, and so you, you, we, we can't operate as if God's will never takes us into a situation where there might be stress in our life. So, God wants you to know his will. Stand with me if you will. It's 9.30. It seems kind of stupid. Um, can I say stupid from the pulpit? Well, there's no pulpit. I can say anything, can I? Um, it seems kind of silly to talk about finding God's will and talk about prayer and not leave space for prayer. Some of you, as I've talked about this, this you're trying to find God's will in a situation, and, and maybe it's you're struggling with tomorrow. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with people to, to, to let them know what you're going through. Maybe some of these things that we're talking about is, is where you're at. And I just think it's important that right now we give you space. Um, maybe, maybe you want to come to the altar. Maybe, maybe you want to pray in your pews. But I stand because it's easier for people to get out if they want to come to the altar. Maybe there's something you want to bring to God today. We're going to pause, all heads bowed, all eyes closed for a few seconds. If you'd like to bring something to God at the altar, I'd encourage you to do that quickly. And then we're going to close with some time of prayer. Lift your hand, all heads bowed, and just say, Pastor, right now I'm struggling finding God's will in my life. Just lift your hands. They're all over. Okay, I'm going to pray particularly for you. Lord, right now we um, give you praise and thanks for what Jesus did. Jesus came and died on a cross and rose again from the dead. 
not so that we would live in frustration and confusion, but so that we could live with a better understanding of the Father's will for us. Lord, we, we want to be people who seek your will, that we don't let idols and other gods set other agendas in our life, but we find your will and we walk in it. Lord, I, I'm thinking of the Old Testament um, scripture that says that, that your, your word will be a voice behind us telling us to turn left and turn right. We want to live in that kind of awareness of your direction, your will for our life. So I pray, Lord, that you'll help us. Help us to see when we're asking for more information than we need. Lord, it's, it's true that oftentimes you call us to be obedient in the moment without a clear uh, understanding or a clear um, understanding of what the future is going to hold. And, and sometimes, Lord, that's difficult. So I pray, Lord, that you'll give us greater faith to be obedient in today, even when we don't have a full understanding of what tomorrow holds. I pray, Lord, that we'll find others that can pray with us and pray for us. And, and Lord, people that have, have similar journeys and, and can give us direction on finding God's will and, and, and what to expect as we find God's will. I pray, Lord, that we'll have a deeper understanding, a deeper appreciation for your word. Lord, may, may your word not sit on our cabinets and on our bookshelves gathering dust, but may it be a routine part of our life that we digest what you would have us to hear and know. I pray, Lord, for us as a people, as a church, that, that we will love one another better, that we will love you more, that, that, Lord, all that we do will bring glory to you. I pray, Lord, for those who've come forward to, to pray, Lord, that you'll touch them and give them uh, just special direction, Lord, a special uh, peace in the midst of whatever they're, they're going through, Lord. Lord, we're thankful for your will. Help us to walk in it. Help us to love it. And Lord, help us to have a better understanding that you have come to give us life, not burdens. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless.